Recently, I was a guest of Bernie Q on our podcast, Ye Can Do. Ye Can Do is a podcast about possibility, embracing our humanity, as well as letting go of limiting beliefs in our lives. Bernie, along with our co-founder, Paula Thomas, is on a mission to power new possibilities in life and work through cultivating better relationships with ourselves and others. I really enjoyed our conversation. I think you will too. Welcome to Ye Can Do. I'm Bernie Kyo, and in this week's episode, I have the great pleasure of speaking with Dr. Mark Rowe. Mark is a medical doctor and practicing physician and founder of the Waterford Health Park. He's an expert and pioneer in positive health and lifestyle medicine, and also an accomplished author, speaker, and founder of the Vitality Mark and the Living with Vitality program. His mission is to empower people to live their lives with vitality and purpose. And I'm delighted to have him on the show today. Who is Mark Rowe? Mark Rowe is a very ordinary, simple person who went to medical school, did general practice, has worked as a GP for over 27 years now. And I've had a few interesting experiences along the way. I had a fire that burned my first practice premises. And I often speak about that, you know, the, how, how difficult it was at the time and yet how it became such a spark for, for growth and for, for new understandings of, of, of resilience and, and really to appreciate what you have in your life. Uh, then I went on and I developed the Waterford Health Park, which is, it's a former Pugin Design Convent building. And when we um, acquired it, we, we transformed it into a beautiful primary care center focused on enhancing the patient experience, mm. which is a really interesting idea all around this idea of generative space that the physical environment plus the social interaction, because we are social creatures, social experience within that space can create a kind of an enhanced feeling of security, lower anxiety and enhance well-being in, in and of itself. And we have a beautiful healing garden in the center of the building and You'd have to really, you'd have to really come down and see it, Bernie. And I hope some someday you will. And for any any of our listeners, there's a lovely cafe on site, and it's a really great example oh, of of a really welcoming building that that deals with healthcare. But I suppose then the economic crash came, and that's really when I began to appreciate that, you know, a wider, more holistic view of health really was was important. And because I had so many people, you know, that were coming into me and they were, they were struggling and so many people lost their jobs Mm. and so many others were really struggling with bank debt, negative equity, um, a downward spiral and, and people really needed a sense of hope. And more than, as I say, more than pills or Prozac, people needed a new sense of possibility and they needed new tools, new skills to enable them to uh, improve their their sort of subjective well-being. I'm a great fan, of course, of CBT and talking treatment and, and counseling, but beyond that. So that's really when I began to look at, I suppose, the timeless truths of the Stoic philosophers. Stoic with a big S, you know, Seneca, Marcus Aurelius, Epictetus, Heraclitus, all these wonderful uh, writers 
in the past who who wrote such such really simple but really powerful ideas about resilience, about meaning, about presence, about how gratitude, about how to cultivate what I call, a, I suppose, a sense of realistic optimism, understanding that no matter where you are today, today that things can improve mm. through your own efforts mm. and keeping a written journal and so much around that. And people began to apply some of these ideas and I saw that their well-being began to improve. I saw it with my own eyes. And for me, that was fascinating. And it really opened my eyes to this idea of moving beyond, I suppose, the kind of traditional view of medicine as kind of the pill for every ill and moving towards a much more holistic view of well-being, but also looking at the doctor as someone who listens, as somebody who maybe not doesn't have the answers because no doctor has all the answers, but who, who understands and maybe supports people in coming to their own realization of what they may need to do for themselves. And of course, that then opened up positive psychology, this strength-based approach to living. In other words, looking at what's strong, what's going well in your life, as opposed to what the problems are, what's wrong, you know, the Martin Seligman and all of that. So I began to bring all that together. Um, and I I suppose I flirted, I suppose that's a strange word, but I flirted with with burnout myself back in 2014, just at the height of the economic crash, you know, despite um sort of my 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 dabbling, let's say, in, in philosophy and positive psychology, the workload was phenomenal at the time. And we had huge cuts in general practice. It was a very tough time for many people in Ireland, particularly anybody who had who had developed anything in terms of banks and so on. And that's really when I began to apply these these learnings. You know, there's a lovely old saying, you know, physician heal thyself. So, you know, everything I talk about, really, I suppose I've I've I've, applied, I've tried to apply the lessons well and been my own student. And at that time we took some time out as a family, traveled, I kind of refilled my cup. Um and I suppose came back stronger and and, and more driven with purpose than ever. I've always believed in service. That's why I became a, a family doctor. I like I like people. I'm a people person. Mm. Uh, but now I want to really kind of marry that that interest in people with, with really how I can leverage this message to a wider audience. So then I discovered that this concept of lifestyle medicine was starting in the US. And I went over to Harvard in 2017. I signed up, did a course there. Then I certified in it down in Arizona that October. And and sequentially from then, I suppose, Bernie, one thing has led to another. I got to do my TED talk, The Doctor of the Future in UCD, um, which, you know, that that's become a very, very popular TED talk, the mm. idea of lifestyle as medicine. The idea that the everyday choices we make can be either health enhancing and health or health depleting. And I suppose this idea that everything is so interconnected. Then I went to Stanford and met this wonderful man, Abraham Verghese. And Abraham Verghese has written a couple of great books, Cutting for Stone, the tennis player. He's professor of medicine in Stanford. And he really reinforced my idea that the art of practice is really so, so important. Uh, well, of course, we're scientists. We have the science. We need the evidence. Absolutely. But it's the art of practice as well, which is really the, those softer skills I mentioned earlier mm. about, about active listening, about trying to listen 
understand, be present and provide empathy, care and support. Mm. And I suppose since then, I've been really asking the question, how can I leverage my message more effectively to support more people? Mm. So, of course, I do what I do when when I'm in my room as a GP. But I'm also interested in, well, how could I leverage this message to the wi- a wider audience outside mm. of my room mm. to firstly support my patients um, and then maybe support other people who are interested in learning more about lifestyle as medicine and how they can take practical, everyday, sustainable steps to improve their well-being. So I really like this idea uh, as a doctor that you can prescribe a podcast for somebody to listen to. Uh, I like that idea that you might prescribe a book that someone might read um, or you might prescribe exercise. You might prescribe a gratitude practice. You might prescribe time in nature. You might prescribe, you know, and they talk about this term social prescribing, that somebody might go and, you know, join a group or join a club because obviously loneliness is such a, has kind of such a catastrophic impact on people's health and well-being. And so many people now, not just old, but young struggle with isolation, disconnection mm. and perceived loneliness. So that's where I am right now, Bernie. I think I've given you sort of a, a kind of an executive summary, but um, that's where I'm at. Wow. And there's, so, there's different avenues that I could explore here and I kind of want to explore them all from, you know, you mentioned that uh uh, early on in your GP career that your practice went on fire and that, that and that it was a challenging time and that became mm. a spark for growth and 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 and, and resilience building um, and then the 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 water for health park and enhancing that at the patient experience and 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 you know as a place of social interaction and healing with the garden and and the thoughtfulness around which that is that is built uh, um and then just you know from the economic crash to um your uh grasping that people um needed a sense of hope above all else, you know, um, a sense of possibility, but also new tools to help them manage what they were actually experiencing at that time. And, you know, how meaning, resilience, gratitude, realistic options and, 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 you know, that, that applying those and, and, uh, through your own efforts that you can create mm. uh, uh, an impact in your own well-being, you know, positive impact in your own own, own, own well-being. And, and just I'm fascinated this by your journey of of um, um of uh, developing a more holistic view of of medicine and, and, and the art of being a physician um, and cultivating skills that perhaps are more closely associated with therapists. Um, a good therapist's uh, uh, role of listening, deep listening, empathy. You know, when you were talking, it was reminding me of uh, Carl Rogers, you know, core conditions um, 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 around being congruent, empathetic, uh, unconditional, positive guard for your for your client and mm-hmm. things like that. And, and that whole journey towards positive psychology and and, you, uh, and, and I suppose where I'm building is um, you, you tell it so humbly and sequentially um but actually for the the time that it you you did it it's quite revolutionary um 
knowing uh, in a limited way, but knowing what I do know of the medical system that that's there, the traditional, you know, medical system, which hasn't been uh, very holistic in the past and, and is hopefully becoming more embracing of that. Um, you were quite a, a revolutionary. How did that go down in your circles and in your medical circles? I think to be, I'd always have been seen as a little bit of a maverick. Yeah. And I, I you know, I'm, I'm my own person. We're, we are all our own people, but I've always liked to do things my own way. And I've always had a very a strong uh, inner sense of belief and in, in, in what I do and in my own values. And I was never one to go along with the crowd. Mm. And, you know, what other people think about me is none of my business is how I really see it. <laughs> and, um, you know, because at the end of the day, people will judge you anyway for, for better or for worse. And we all only have one life. So I'm, I'm really, I really don't have the, the bandwidth to be concerned really with what people think. And that's being honest. Uh, I, I'm very much focused on trying to do the things in the world that, that I want to do to, and it's really in to, to serve others and to make a difference every day. And of course, every day when you get up and you can help even one person, that for me, that is a very good day. So I'm really privileged and lucky to work as a family doctor. It's such a wonderful, wonderful uh, job, but I, I like to be able to do different things and do things differently. And that's one of the great strengths about family practice is that you can diversify out and you can, um, if once you learn to leverage your own strengths, Bernie, I think that's, that's, that's one of the key things as well. This, this looking at your strengths and using those and, you know, not being afraid to, to do the things you believe in. Yeah. I think there is, there is a tendency and this isn't medicine per se, this, this applies in every circle to use your term or every space is that, you know, if you stick your head above the parapet in any way, there's always going to be some people that will, you know, say well done or recognize that or whatever. And there's going to be other people that for whatever reason are going to want to pull you back or maybe feel threatened by that. That's just human nature. It's just the way of the world. It's the way it is. And if you spend your life worrying about what everyone else is going to think or say about what, how you're doing something, as long as you're not doing any, something illegal, as long as you're not doing something that's immoral or break, breaking values, I mean, as long as you're, you know, as long as you're on the right track, as it were, um, well, then, you know, who is anyone else to judge anyone else? Why can't everybody peacefully live their own life in accordance with their own values? Mm, I, com I completely agree. And it's, it's my learning that often, you know, what people think of other people, it's, it's, it is their business. You know, what anyone thinks mm. of me is none of my business. And often it's a reflection of what's going on for them, you know, and their potentially their own projections or, um, you know, just their perspective on the world, which in fairness, they're entitled to, you know. So similarly, you know, you know, it works the, the same for me. But it's um, it's not easy always to apply, of course, and uh, um, and, and it can take courage um, to 
to go against the 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 crowd and and to stand as you said put your head up against the mm. the power of it and and risk um, potential ridicule i think well, particularly in a very established traditional sphere you know well there's two things one is i think courage absolutely courage is, is a wonderful word and courage is about being willing to i suppose embrace the fears and feelings of inadequacy and feelings of, you know, you're not good enough or whatever the sort of the inner critic tells us from time to time. So be willing to step forward anyway and uh, shine your light brightly in the world, as they'd say. And the other word that comes into my mind right now, Bernie, is the word practice, because it is we're all on our own journey, as it were. And all of these skills and all of these ideas around being kinder to yourself and to others, about being more grateful, about learning to be more mindfully present in the world, are practices. And it's not about being perfect. It's not about um, reaching sort of the end of the journey or the top of the mountain. It's, it's about a practice. It's a, it's a continuous recommitment to be true to yourself and to those people that matter to be true to your values, to be true to your goals. And back to what you said at the start of our conversation, back to purpose, back to your purpose, which I know you're very full of and very purposeful at, at the moment with, with your work with Lust for Life, etc. And that's great. So it really starts, it's an inside out job. It starts on the inside with, with why. It starts with who you are and what do you value and what do you believe in? And I think these very simple, they're, they're simple ideas, but they're very powerful and very important ideas. And they apply if you want to be uh, excel in sport, you want to excel in, in, in life. If you want to, whatever you want to do, um, start with why. You are very wise, Mark. And I am struck by the fact that you are, are definitely on a very soulful journey. Mm. Are are you um are you a spiritual man? I I think I am. I mean, I you know sp- the word spirituality can mean different things to different people. Uh, but for me, I believe all elements of our well being are are very interconnected. I mean, I have this model of the hand that that's in my book, The Vitality Mark, which really you know symbolizes how the four the four things of your hand represent your heart, your body, your spirit, and your mind. And they're all interconnected. And when when you change one element, you will compound the benefits on the other elements as well. So there's, mm. they're they're strongly interrelated and interconnected. Mm. So I, I I believe I'm a spiritual person. I wouldn't feel I'm overly religious. Mm. Um, and I think there's a big difference. But um, you know, I I was raised a Catholic, and I I, I am a Catholic, and that's just a personal personal to me, but I have complete respect for um, all people, people of all religions and none. And I, I, I I'm, you know, um, but I mean, I think spirituality, it transcends religious belief per se. And, you know, I think spending time in stillness and time in silence um, is a great way to reconnect with the essence of who you are, to reconnect with maybe your higher power, for want of a better term spending time in nature. Um, Some people develop their sense of spirituality through meditation. 
um, through volunteering, helping others. So many facets to it. But I do believe that, you know, I mean, Einstein, who was one of the world's greatest ever scientists, he said, you know, energy can't be created or destroyed. It's simply converted from one form to another. So I do believe that we have a soul. I do believe that we have a spiritual side. Um, and I think that that comes out in people in in different ways. Yeah, I completely agree. And to get back to one of the points that you were making um, around practice, mm. uh, practice being the 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 operative word uh, because nothing happens w- without action. I love the point that you were making about it not being perfectionistic about it. And I was mm. reminded of um, a line in uh, that I love actually. That's in the um, Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, um, mm. which says we practice these principles in all our affairs. And I remember read and the principles being um, service. Um, uh, you know, um, reflection, um, uh, forgiveness, you know, honesty, et cetera, et cetera. And I remember initially when I came across that, um, I saw that almost as, you know, we practice like in everything I do, I have to perfectly embody these and, you know, enact these principles. But I came to understand that practice is a lovely word because we can, you know, we can practice to become better at something. And so, you know, it is an action, but inherent in the meaning of the word is the, is, 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 is the possibility of um, learning and of trialing and exploring. And, you know, because I think that uh, myself, certainly in my journey and, and a lot of people, when we try to, um, to, uh, effect change in our lives or, or, you know, build in new practices and um, we can approach it with a perfectionistic, perfectionistic mm. mindset. And, and then that becomes, a, you know, a thing to beat ourselves up with. And I have now, you know, uh, completely discarded that. And it's just the effort and the, 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 the attempt and the, um, is, is good enough, you know? So if that means that, you know, I meditate, uh, today for five minutes and I'm completely connected, um, and tomorrow, it's 10, but I can't get into the zone, you know, or the next day I don't manage to do it. It's that's, you know, that's so be it, you know. Um, so I love that message around approaching these things gently and seeing what works for you. And and you've mentioned the, the power of gratitude, for example, and appreciating the the small moments i i would have been someone that was quite skeptical about that practice a few mm. years ago and um, being a cynic at one point and it wasn't until i started practicing it and it was literally um okay three things today that i'm grateful for and but actually what i began to notice was that it focused my attention on the positives and I began to notice the good things that were happening in my life to a far greater extent on a day to day basis. And it helped me appreciate that happiness and joy and, and connection. You know, these are not all permanent states of being, but they can be present in even the worst days to some degree. So, you know, I stopped chasing this 
permanent state of 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 happiness, um, etc. And began to appreciate that life is lived in different moments, one day at a time, and to try and tune in and pay attention to, you know, the good and the joyful and all of that, but also then the pain and what, you know, the feelings that weren't, that maybe uh, I wasn't comfortable with and look to lean into them for the message maybe that they were trying to Mm -hmm. send me. And it's why self-compassion, Bernie, is so, so important because as you rightly say, you know, positive emotions are like, you know, they're like Teflon, they're fleeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas negative emotion sticks and we're all hardwired for fear, anxiety, survival. It's the way our brains are constructed. So a negative emotion is very, very real. And there's a lovely Buddhist saying, you know, there can be no happiness without suffering. Mm-hmm. They're both sides of the same coin, really. And, you know, I think well-being is 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 about being able to embrace the totality of your emotions. Um, you know, there's lots of terms for Susan David from Harvard calls it emotional agility. Uh, emotional sobriety is a term that um, my my hairdresser has told me about. He, he, he's, a, he's, he's involved in, in, in addiction uh, therapy. He, he teaches. I thought that was a lovely word, emotional sobriety. The it's idea that you, you don't react, but you respond. And to understand that this too shall pass. Absolutely. So all emotions are temporary states will pass. And I think you're so right. It is all about a practice. What I'd say about a practice, it's beautiful word practice. It opens up the space for growth. It opens up the space for possibility. And it's, it, it implies really non-judgment. And it it rightly moves you away from this idea of perfection. Mm. And of course, the perfectionistic mindset is, you know, medical schools are full of perfectionists. <laughs> I suppose the perfectionistic uh, mindset probably is more likely to get into medical school in the first place. Um, and it's like a magnet to attract them in. And, and the whole culture of training, certainly in my day, was very much around, you know, working around the clock and, uh, you know, and, and, and you don't admit to, we, you don't admit to being less than perfect. And, you know, you surfed the wave of, of busyness all the time. And, and really the rules about health didn't really apply to you because you were a doctor and you were different from them, the patients who were over there and they had to be, <laughs> <laughs> they had to be treated differently. So, you know, there's a whole journey, I think for, for, for many people who've gone to medical school about letting go of this idea of perfection and the idea of practice and but it is a beautiful word and I think one of the best practices of all certainly for me in my own life is the practice of gratitude the gratitude practice mm. um, I have a little mnemonic for it I call GLAD G-L-A-D I love it every morning G what are you grateful for mm-hmm. it can be 101 things but at least three things big mm. things small things incidental things I'm grateful to be talking to you today Bernie uh, I'm looking out the window here of my attic and beautiful blue sky and um, so much to be grateful for, you know. And L, what am I going to let go of? Because, you know, there's always little niggles, little things going on. It's called life <laughs> biting me on the bum. And we can choose to let go of them. Mm. 
And then A, who can I extra appreciate today? Who can I extra appreciate? You know, as I, as I often say, I've met a lot of people in my room over the years who've been beaten down by life or in toxic relationships, workplaces, whatever. I've rarely met somebody overappreciated, <laughs> overvalued, <laughs> overrespected. Yes. Um, you know, it's, it's very rare to see that. Most people could do it a bit of extra appreciation, even with the person you're buying that coffee from, give them a nice smile. And uh, D then, how am I dedicating my energy today? at work, in my family, for my health, mm. um, my practice, uh, you know, so gratitude, you know, as I say, it brings um, perspective to the past, peace to the present and hope for the future. Mm. 